0: Welcome to season two of Best in SaaS, where we talk through the patterns and playbooks in the revenue sprint to 20 million and beyond with the industry's most accomplished executives, entrepreneurs, and investors. Despite the world melting around us, we survived season one with only a few scratches and a couple of bathroom incidents from our resident Best in SaaS puppy mascot, Stuart. Wash your hands and don your favorite face mask because here comes season two. Howdy, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I am thrilled, per usual, for you to listen in on this conversation. But before we get into it, if you're a regular listener and you enjoy the discussions, do me a favor and let us know by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other folks find the show, and it helps Apple realize they should feature us on New and Noteworthy. So that would be awesome. With that, enough of my blabbing. Let's get on to the episode. All right. So today we are lucky to have Evan Cohn on the call. Uh, Evan is in charge of business and marketing at PipeStream, which has been growing like wildfire. Uh, their customers range from you know Chase, Gillette, Braun, HBO. It's nuts. So, <laughs> Evan, welcome to the show. Elias, thanks so much for having me. Honored to be here. So let's let's jump in with. Uh, I noticed that you have a top secret SCI clearance, which is super random to me, at least in the tech world, uh, guessing that it has something to do with your background in management consulting. So, how did you go from having a top secret government clearance to being the uh, chief business officer at Pipestream?
1: Yeah, you know, I've also been an elementary teacher. So, you know, further evidence, I've worn a lot of different hats. <laughs> uh, through my career. I, I actually did Teach for America right out of college. Uh, but yeah, I was in management consulting, um, led a, an emerging technology practice working with a number of, of industries, uh, one of which was uh U.S. government uh, consulting on, on the strategy front, um, some intelligence agencies. So, that's what that is. But, you know, yes, yeah, certainly different from, you know, digital strategy with, with big brands today.
0: So what, I mean, what led you to that? That sounds like there were maybe three major shifts, teacher to DOD consulting to SaaS, fast growing enterprise startup land.
1: Totally. Well, I started with, with Teach for America, you know, I studied history and government in college, uh, went to Bowdoin in, in Brunswick, Maine. Um And was planning to teach high school history, Teach for America, works hard to uh, connect teachers with classrooms and and schools uh, of need. There was a need for elementary teachers, so took that on Um, and really was captivated by the impact of of technology and personalized learning amid everything going on in the education world, its ability to cut through a lot of the politics and the inequities Um, So I did grad school uh, at Columbia and the London School of Economics. And coming out of that, I was really interested in the ed tech world, Uh, Joined a company called Rocket Ship uh, based in in Palo Alto. Uh, That was really a leader in the e-learning world and and particular personalized learning um, for elementary students. And that was really my first growth role. I led a a campaign to quadruple the company's footprint, a lot of different inbound, outbound marketing tactics there, um, but had been in education for a few years and you know was looking just to get some broader exposure to a number of industries really to just to advance my own learning as well. Um, so management consulting was a good fit for that um, in terms of operations, strategy, growth, working with a variety of companies. Um, so yeah, working in the government space was one element. Served a number of for, you know, Fortune 500 financial services and insurance and healthcare clients. Um, but my biggest fear, you know, has always been doing the same thing over and over you know, until I'm an old man. So I, I've always loved being in roles and you know where every day is different. Um, and back in 2015. You know, When I was you know, on behalf of a number of clients serving the landscape for new emerging technologies that would be relevant to them, I met uh, our CEO, Richard, at Pipestream, where I am now, uh, and was just super impressed with really the big idea of Pipestream and its mission to really transform the way brands engage with consumers. I um, was really impressed with the quality of the team he had, he had assembled so quickly, so made a jump you know, into the startup world. Uh, again, since I had been at Rocketship previously. And have spent really the last five years going from zero to where we are now serving you know, dozens of large enterprise companies, uh, have millions of sessions flowing through the platform. And I mean, as you know, Elias, there's tons of buzz around AI and automation these days. So my team gets to think creatively about how to stand out you know, amid all of that. Uh, in a meaningful way you know for brands that are looking to take their their digital strategy and their customer
0: experience to the next level so what is what does that look like i mean standing out right we're we're inundated with calls like these and zoom meetings and just the digital imprint on our brains right now is is greater than ever what how are you guys defining that
1: well, you think about the average consumer today. You know, Pipestream is really born out of this notion that no one wants to call a call center. No one wants to wait on hold or get transferred to an agent or send an email only to hear back days later. And I think you know, amid COVID, of more people than ever being online, there's this, this sense of immediacy and expectation of immediacy. Not only as you know, people engage with their peers, with their family, oftentimes via messaging, but also with the brands in their lives. So, PipeStream really serves as an enabler to some of the biggest companies that are managing many millions of interactions on a, a given week or month uh, to meet consumers on their preferred channels, which is really messaging and in an automated format. You know, given lots of Agents are handling very basic calls and call centers today, you know, for password reset or to submit uh, a claim for a policy holder that are costing companies, you know, upwards of six to $15 for every call. So, AI and automation can play a huge role in in deflecting those calls and, and really delighting consumers at the end of the day. So, you know, over the last few months, we've actually seen a lot of enterprise leaders looking to double down uh, on automation initiatives. Certainly, it's mixed, you know, depending on on the industry. Uh, but there's been a ton of demand for for what we're doing, and a, and a number of our peers in the in the conversational AI space
0: makes sense. I'm curious. You know, you the business has been around. You've been there five years, and I mean, about five years ago. AI support, AI customer experience was really, really hot as far as this kind of new emerging trend. And there was a lot of hand-waving. So I, clearly the product and the strategy and the team, like it's the real deal at Pipestream. But there, there was so much compet, competitive competition out there and other companies claiming to do stuff like this. How did you crack cutting through that noise to prove out that you really were the real deal and, and offering something that was you know of strategic value to these large enterprises?
1: Lots of mistakes <laughs> along the way. Uh, but I think for any growing company it, it really comes down to a question of can you apply learnings quickly and, and adapt you know, to really serve your customer needs. And we've gone through you know, pivots at, at Pipestream. We actually launched as a a mobile application so for iOS and Android uh, to enable SMB, so small business to consumer uh, messaging through an app. And that was a really healthy feedback loop just to to gain insights into what consumers are looking for as they engage with a brand similar to how they might engage with their peers. And it also gave us some time to invest in the platform from an engineering and product standpoint, uh, Through to about 2017 when we graduated up market to enterprise and decided to turn off our SMB offering. Um, we, we realized at the time there was a, an opportunity to make a greater impact in the space by working with the companies that represent you know, those millions of interactions every week or month with consumers at scale. Um, that was right around the time you know, that chatbots were flooding the market. And since then, you know, a lot of enterprise leaders have, have worked to figure out what are the differences between you know, a basic elementary chat bot that, you know, honestly, someone can build in their university dorm room in, in two hours, and the other end of the spectrum you know, being a hyper-personalized digital experience that's almost the hybrid app chat experience uh, that's transactional, meaning you can transfer bank account funds, you could book a cruise, or maybe after COVID, uh, you can <laughs> submit a claim all through a, a conversation. So this notion of conversational commerce uh, has really evolved to a point where it, it's even replacing websites, um, not only emails uh, and phone calls into call centers. So along that way, you know, we've certainly from a product standpoint invested heavily and quality user experience. Uh, but how we serve our own enterprise customers has been a really key ingredient. You know, Beyond building the marketing team and our brand at Pipestream, I put a lot of brain power toward our CX operation from a customer success standpoint of what does a big company need to be able to extract business value out of this technology. So there's really proven ROI, both in the form of you know, customer satisfaction and, and hard dollar savings. Um, so spending that time with clients so that there's a high velocity deployment so they can see the value has been a, a really critical ingredient, I think, to to proving what conversational AI can achieve for the biggest companies.
0: Does chief business officer at Pipestream, does that mean you're in charge of CX marketing and sales?
1: Yeah, you know, a, a number of companies have, have hired people into... This notion of a chief business officer, just recognizing that you know, for a company to grow, there's a lot of different domains uh, that impact that, including you know, partnerships, um, customer success, as well as marketing. So I've had a privilege to get to lead projects and teams across a number of those areas uh, over the last five years at PipeStream, uh, and and working with some really kick-ass team members. Uh, you know, we've we've been able to to bring in some really top talent from companies, and you know that I've been able to to learn from. Um, but yeah, it's it's a a broad domain, w- which I guess helps with uh, my goal of kind of keeping things different every day, uh, which which I love.
0: That sounds exciting. So, what is the what's the biggest challenge that you're facing this year? I mean, I, I'm sure you're growing up into this very mature organization serving extremely large enterprises. What what is top of mind for you as like the the number one thing you need to crack this year?
1: Well, we've been putting a lot of effort toward diversifying our demand gen channels. Um, I think any growing company wants to be able to showcase not only from having kind of repeatable funnel economics, uh, but just knowing that they're, they're building relevance, whether it's in content marketing or, or paid campaigns uh, across a number of channels. So, you know, like many young companies, we you won know, our first customers through our own executive network you know, and, and relationships um, of CX leaders and big companies and have been working really hard you know, to diversify from that. Uh, including, you know, driving more inbound, of course, um, being very selective about what you know events we attend to make sure, you know, our, our message is really a good fit to resonate with what you know attendees might be looking to achieve uh, out of out of those events. Um, being really smart about how we we leverage data, I think any marketer today um, is thrown dozens of <laughs> different data products you know into their inbox uh, every day so you know really determining which are going to help uh, a marketing team cut through um, all that noise to get a deeper understanding of you know what are your target buyer personas thinking uh, what type of content's really resonating with them how can you tap into intent data to showcase you know who might really be in a buying cycle um, and have initiatives aligned with, with what you're offering. So, you know, those are all focus areas for, for my team right now. But I'd say, you know, beyond, beyond the day to day tactics, I'm always looking back at our overall positioning. Uh, you know, in terms of are we being super crisp around our description of the problem that we're solving? Are, is everybody on our team crystal clear on what is our brand promise? Uh, and do we have appreciation for you know what are the purchase obstacles? What are the pain points um, of the folks that we're spending a lot of time with um, as we work to support you know, their initiatives within these big companies? So you know every three to six months you know, we're revisiting that overall positioning to make sure our marketing, CX, sales, product teams are all aligned about the around those critical kind of foundational elements of the company.
0: If you were to jump into something new uh, at the same stage, the same early idea stage as you did with Pipestream five years ago, what would you tell yourself now based on the lessons that you've, you've learned and earned the hard way to get to where Pipestream is today?
1: Sure. Well, I think one of the, one of the big challenges for anyone leading a marketing team is you know, what types of profiles to recruit first. Um, And then as as you're increasing in scale, you know, what that team looks like and also how you're balancing uh, what that internal team looks like compared to uh, outside agencies that may be supporting you. You know, we've taken an approach of starting on a lot of marketing fronts um, with uh, an outsourced agency that's highly specialized as a way to really train our team on the the best practices of, of that specific domain. Um, and then either hire internal people or use those skill sets that we have built in term in, uh, internally from those relationships to then scale that operation further. Um, so I, you know, I'd be thinking really hard about achieving that right balance uh, of recruitment and who you can lean on as an outside partner. Uh, I, I'd also, you know, really think hard about getting the right balance between inbound and outbound from a demand gen standpoint. Um, you know, expecting that outbound is probably a more effective tactic at an early stage. Um, but as you increase brand awareness, um, as you get more sophisticated around intent data and being really crisp around your messaging and uh, competitive positioning, you know, finding ways to get to increasing inbound um, that creates more predictability around the funnel for a sales team and for overall growth of the company, I, I would, I'd be thinking about earlier. Um, you know, and we, we've tried a lot of different campaigns at Pipestream, um, some with success, some with really good learnings. Um, and you know, a lot of them have been fun too, uh, which is a, a great benefit of being at an early stage company. Um, as it's growing is, I think, compared to you know folks that are working within a big corporation, in, in a startup, you have liberty to really be bold and to try new things. And um, that's actually paved the way for how we've gotten to a good balance between inbound and outbound.
0: So a moment ago, you mentioned uh, some campaigns that were a wild success and some that were uh, full of great learnings, which I thought was a, a very nice way to put, to put campaigns that didn't pan out. But uh, <laughs> I'm curious, like what were some of the, what were the ones that did really well? And then maybe if you could share the most glorious failure, or as you put the, the biggest learning <laughs> out of all of them.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll start with the fun ones. About a year ago, we, we created a campaign around a resume for our products. So you know, given that so many consumers want to engage with big companies via messaging the automation is was, was at the time when we were launching our, our own proprietary AI called Dovetail. We had created a resume for Dovetail. Um, but beyond just posting that resume you know, on social media, we, we took it a step further. You know, if you go to you know, Indeed.com or Monster, you see there are armies of recruiters that are constantly hiring many many thousands of agents for for different call centers so we decided to apply for those jobs on behalf of our AI dovetail uh, we submitted the resume uh, even created a cover letter uh, and applied to over a thousand jobs and actually got selected for like interviews and you know took those interviews we're, we're very clear you know hey we're we're doing this on behalf of a technology, not a, not a person. We're, we're, we're very um, upfront about that. Uh, but it, it actually translated into you know, business development meetings where we, we were able to learn about some of their digital strategy and see how we could support them with our technology. Um, Wall Street Journal ended up writing about it, which created you know, some inbound as well. Um, so that was, that was fun. Uh, you know, I have also seen what other companies do. That's another benefit, I think, of working in the marketing space. Unlike you know, other domains, you actually get to see people's work. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with kind of taking an idea you see somewhere and applying it to a new product or a new industry. I think that's part of the creativity um, and, and fun of, of starting new campaigns. You had seen Salonis, you know, the big uh, data mining um, company, had run campaigns around handwritten letters. So we, we did something similar, writing a heartfelt letter to CEOs of big companies talking about um, you know what their CX initiatives might be, how we can support them, and ended up meeting with a, a ton of a Fortune 500 CEOs and C-suites um, as a result of that kind of old-school approach, I think, amid a highly digitized world. Um, but in terms of you know, learnings or campaigns that didn't go as well, maybe less of a campaign, but Kind of back to our earlier days of, of Pipestream, you know, especially as we were thinking through what makes sense from a customer experience standpoint to really onboard our clients uh, in a seamless fashion. Actually, one of our first clients uh, was in South Africa. So I was in South Africa. We had a, a few enterprises that we were working with there. Um, and we had set up onboarding meetings really to talk through the, the conversational AI design of a solution. Ended up in a meeting with like 50 developers. And, and PipeStreams is like a, a no-code, kind of low-code um, customer experience platform. Not you know, our, our audience is not developers. Um, but it was evident that you know, as they were engaging this in this project, they saw it exclusively as an IT initiative. You know, a development uh, initiative as a pilot, and it really helped accelerate our learning and realizing we need to be more crisp around our messaging. That you know, this is the customer experience solution best for for business leaders. Uh, so I definitely had you know imposter syndrome feeling you know, sitting in that meeting. Luckily, our CTO was sitting next to me, so not only did I not understand a lot of. Or, or have did not have a lot of answers to their questions. I didn't even understand a lot of them. Um, so that was, you know, good feedback loop that we had, you know, been marketing at the time to the wrong buyer persona. Um, so I think we, we've learned since then.
0: Uh, I'm curious. So you, I mean, you're, you're charging ahead, growing this business. What do you do to unwind and and stay sane?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, during COVID, it's, uh, every day kind of feels the same, right? And you lose a, a sense of time. Uh, I have a, a one-year-old daughter, so you know I enjoy spending time with her in our Springer Spaniel uh, in, in Central Park. Um, I do some painting on the side kind of on weekends just to uh, put my brain into a different mindset. Um, and I listen to a lot of podcasts like this one, to be honest. Um, you know, we've even had our own podcast at Pipestream. It's just a great way to, to to meet new people, but also to tap into this thinking. Even if you're out walking your dog, um, I've been listening to a number of podcasts lately, including this one, and you've had some really great shows.
0: Well, thank you for that. It's uh, I agree. It's it's a fun way to kind of flex your brain in different directions and expand point of views and all sorts of goodness that falls out of it. My last question for you is is around, you know, who has been influential in your career, um, whether as a mentor or a peer, someone who inspires you? Just a couple of folks who have helped you along the way.
1: Yeah, I mean a number of people, including those I've met through podcasts or, or, or you know, through customer relationships. Um, you know, a few come to mind. One, Adrian Swinsko, he just wrote a book called Punk CX. Um, has been. Uh, a real leader in, in the CX space and how a lot of companies are trying to transform the way they think about kind of fostering digital experiences. So I, I've been lucky to get to spend time with him. Uh, Helen Yu is another one. Um, I think she's a good example of this kind of new wave of B two B tech influencers. Um, she puts out a lot of really interesting content, and I've been lucky to be able to pick her brain on different marketing strategies and tactics. Um, She was chief uh, customer officer at Showpad, um, had been executive at Sprinkler and and Adobe. Um, And and Lucas Watson, who's CMO of cruise automation, he used to be CMO at Intuit, spent a lot of time at PG. You know, he's really helped me stay in tune with, you know, everything being founded upon, really our fundamentals um, around our positioning Uh, having crisp messaging, you know, being really thoughtful about achieving the right inbound outbound balance. So, um, yeah, those are just a few people that come to mind, but you know, there are many others.
0: As there are, uh, Evan, so great to chat with you. Thanks for walking us through the story thus far. And we're, we're all excited to follow along for the rest of the journey.
1: Hey Elias, this was fun. Thanks so much for having me.